0: Dragnet. The Jack Benny program. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. George Burns and Gracie Allen. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. We offer you Escape. Palm Miss Brooks. Suspense. Richard Diamond, Private Detective. Fever McGee and Molly. The Great Gildersleeve. Yeah. Radio Theater. In the air dedicated to man's imagination, the theater of the mind.
1: You know what our call letters WGN stand for, don't you? WGN Radio Theater. A special three-hour presentation with
2: Carl Amari and Lisa Wolf.
3: All right, about seven minutes after 11 p.m. here on the WGN Radio Theater. Program 414 in the series. It is Sunday, August eighteenth, and to my right the vivacious Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? Hi,
4: Carl, and happy birthday. We're celebrating a birthday.
3: Yeah, we're celebrating Mike's birthday and my birthday. Mike Estella is here as well. Hi, Mike. Hey guys. Happy birthday. It's a double happy birthday. birthday to you. Yours was the fourteenth. Correct. Mine's coming up on the twentieth, so we split right down the middle. We're celebrating on the 18th here.
4: And check out our Facebook page. We just posted. I just posted a Facebook live. We had a little cake and a little fun. It and was some, more
3: than a little cake. It had a lot of it's cake. A big cake. So
4: check out our Facebook live.
3: And uh, my good pal uh, Luann and her and her husband Jim, she baked the most amazing <laughs> devil's food chocolate cake with this incredible chocolate frosting and sprinkles. And uh, she covered both of our birthdays because she gave us 75 candles. Those
4: were all for you, Carl.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Luann, thank you so, so much. That was so nice. And she also gave me my favorite candy as a gift, Chunky, That's, like a giant box of Chunky. Is, you
4: just mentioned this morning when yeah. we were talking to Elton Jim that that was your favorite candy. And so she, she knows and, what she's doing. And there she's was balloons. Doing. <laughs>
3: And there was, oh, my gosh, it was just such a sweet, sweet so gesture. Nice. So nice. Thank you, Luann, so much, and Jim as well. Um Tonight we have The Adventures of Sam Spade, Detective, one of the best detective shows of the Golden Age of Radio. And then it's the Jack Benny program. Can you have a better lineup over the next two hours.
4: Well, I know what I'm doing a little bit around here. Not I've badly, been here so. for a while.
3: All right. It's all brought to you by Cat's Pride and uh, some of our other great sponsors. And we're going to play our game Cat's Pride. Is it real or is it ridiculous? Yes. The
4: celebrity is Melissa McCarthy. I know yeah. she's another one of your favorites.
3: She's awesome. And
4: we're going to be giving away one of your favorite prizes a Lumel Nadi's wow. gift certificate. Wow. Pizza on us. So we're going to play the game right now. We're going to look for caller number four, 312 981 7200. Call right now, and we will be right back. Come on, baby. Let's get and we have Michael on the phone to play the game. Hey, Michael. Hello, how are you? I'm great. How are you?
3: I'm doing fine. Thank you. Hi,
4: well, you're already a winner, and we're gonna pizza a winner of some pizza. And wow. now we're gonna do a little really ridiculous right. first get down Let's to do business. It. Number okay. one. And Mike's going to play along with us. So I it's sure a big, will. It's a big day. Number one.
3: Mike and Mike. <laughs> Mike I think it was a TV show called Mike and Mike.
4: <laughs> she won an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress for Bridesmaids. Real or ridiculous? Love that movie.
3: Oh, man. Good yeah, movie, but she did not.
4: She did not. Mike, so going to say think?
3: that's ridiculous. As
4: ridiculous? Well.
3: He's, ridiculous. Mike and Mike are both absolutely right.
4: That is correct. Correct. Is ridiculous. ridiculous. She was nominated.
3: Uh, was she, she did not
4: win. Wow. Yes, she, she was. But you are all. Let me tell correct. you
3: something. She is incredible in that movie. She is. I mean, the whole movie is great. Kristen Wigg is incredible in it, but she makes that movie.
4: I agree with you. Yeah. She By the
3: Oh, Happy birthday, Carly. Thank and Mike. you. Thank uh, you. Thanks, Mike. Thank Appreciate you. it.
4: Oh, okay. Uh, number two. She and her husband are the founders of the production company On the Day Productions. Real or ridiculous? On the Day Productions.
3: I uh, want say real. I'm going to say ridiculous. I'm going to agree with the first Mike. It's real.
4: (laughs) It is real. On the Day Productions is correct. Uh Uh-oh, here we go. Here's from Mike,
3: Mike Estella.
4: (laughs) She first gained recognition for her role as Sookie St. James in the television series Gilmore Girls. Real or ridiculous?
5: Ooh.
6: Mm. I'm going to say ridiculous on that one.
3: I am going to go with the color and say ridiculous as well. I'm agreeing that it's ridiculous. Ha!
4: It's real. Oh, that is absolutely man. real. Got all right. Us all. Oh, all right. Boy. I feel better about things, uh, but that's okay. <laughs> Michael, you are the big winner here because you have won our very favorite pizza, Lumel Melnati's. Uh, Lumel Melnati's is home of Chicago's best deep dish pizza, our favorite deep dish pizza. You can find one of their 40 plus Chicagoland locations or order online at loumelnati's.com. We hope you have a
3: great pizza on us and thank you so much. All right. Take care. Thank Terrific. You. Thanks, Michael. Thanks. All right. Well, uh, Mike Costello just got back from Las Vegas over here. It looks pretty tan. Yeah. Where'd you stay? Bally's. Oh, What'd you do nice there? there? Did you gamble? Sure
4: did. Did you have some fun?
3: Absolutely. Good. Was it worth he it? Looks lighter, he, looks lot, okay. he looks a lot lighter, though. i looks at the gambling party. He looks a lot lighter, at least. I think he actually... lost some money there. Lighter? Yeah. maybe he lost what, some money. He doesn't have as much
4: money in his pockets anymore. Actually, it was
3: a pretty big week because uh, one of my best friends, Brian Garner, and his wife, John, were there. And Brian's got the same birthday as I do. My wife, Denise, we have the, it's her birthday's the day after mine. Wow, and we a lot got of Leos. We got married on her birthday. And wow. my friend Brian, his wife John, and my other buddy Roy, they both have the same birthday in November. So
4: it was just a celebratory week. What did you do? Yeah, so
3: there was, there was like seven people out with us and we we ate at a bunch of different restaurants and Bad. we gambled a lot and I slept like 12 hours the whole time I was there so well
4: you know what the celebration continues tonight yep. with cake and fun you don't sleep as much so. out
3: there cuz they pump oxygen into those yeah, casinos and it keeps you awake you yeah, do but not depends, sleep when you're in vegas depends
4: if you're in the casinos or well, you know or somewhere else absolutely
3: all right well i'm glad you're back safe and sound and uh, it is time now for the adventures of sam spade detective this was a character created by the novelist Dashiell Hammett for his movie and his novel, The Maltese Falcon. And, of course, Sam Spade was very hard-boiled. He was very cold and detached. He had a keen eye for detail, and he was determined to achieve justice on all of his cases. Humphrey Bogart played the role of Sam uh, Sam Spade in the 1941 film, The Maltese Falcon, And that led to a 1946 radio series produced by William Spear, who was the producer at that time, of Suspense. Now, they hired newcomer Howard Duff to play Sam Spade and uh, Effie Perrine, his secretary, was played by Lorene Tuttle. Hammett was not associated with the radio show. He was also not associated with his other radio shows that he created, Fat Man and The Thin Man. He just wanted to write. He didn't really want to have anything to do with radio. He did collect a check, though, for having created the characters that the radio series was based on. You are going to enjoy this because uh, Sam Spade is one of the best ...of the best of the detectives of the golden age of radio. Let's go back to July 25th, 1948, for the mad scientist caper. Here's Howard Duff in part one of The Adventures of Sam Spade, Detective.
0: The Adventures of Sam Spade, Detective. Brought to you by Wild Root Cream Oil Hair Tonic. The non-alcoholic hair tonic that contains lanolin. Wild Root Cream Oil. Again and again, the choice of men who put good grooming first.
7: Detective Agency.
8: This is mad scientific detective number 137596.
7: Sam, no matter what anyone says, I'll stand by you. You're nothing of the sort.
8: Not scientific?
7: Of course not. You're two-fisted.
8: Well, thanks, Effie. And that ain't all, Effie. I was actually mistaken for a convolutional melancholiac. Oh,
7: Sam, are you all right now?
8: Wrong diagnosis, Angel. It turned out to be melancholia catatonica.
7: Oh, you poor darling. What is that?
8: Well, it's a thing where you lie motionless and silent with fixed eyes and indifference to surroundings. Unquote.
7: Sam, what happened to you? What hospital are you in? Can I bring you anything?
8: No, Effie, I am now at large. Pull down the blinds, check the corridors for men in little white coats, and set a bottle in the window if the coast is clear. Oh! I'll be right down to dictate my report on the mad scientist caper.
5: (laughs)
0: Marshall Hammett, America's leading detective fiction writer and creator of Sam Spade, the hard-boiled private eye, and William Spear, radio's outstanding producer-director of mystery and crime drama, join their talents to make your hair stand on end with the adventures of Sam Spade, presented by the makers of Wild Root Cream Oil for the hair. And now, with Howard Duff starring as Spade, Wild Root brings to the air the greatest private detective of them all in the adventures of Sam Spade.
8: Why is it so dark in here?
7: Well, I had to put the lights out. The blind stuck. I couldn't get it down.
8: The heat's off, Effie. Let there be light.
7: Oh, oh, I'm so glad. Now, let me look at you.
8: Don't look at me like that and stop whispering.
7: Oh, Sam. Did you get me all upset like that just for a joke? It's
8: no joke, sweetheart. You really sick? Yeah, just sick of some of the types I made in this business. Oh, that. Uh... Date, uh, July 25, 1948, to Detective Lieutenant Dundee, Homicide Detail, San Francisco Police, from Samuel Spade, license number 137596, subject, the mad scientist caper.
7: I worry so.
8: Ah, dear Dundee. He, uh, looked like a mad scientist, and that's exactly what he was. His eyes had a wild gleam in them, his hair was a wild tangle, and he was wearing a wild assortment of clothing that looked as if they'd been slept in and shifts. He leaned across the desk at me and said... They have stolen my secret formula. They have? Gee, that's too bad.
6: Oh, you think I'm crazy?
8: I don't know yet. I just met you.
6: My name is Raymond Fox. Did that mean anything to you?
8: Raymond Fox. Uh, yeah, I think it does, but I don't quite remember what. I invented the helioscope. Helioscope. No, that wasn't it.
6: I also synthesized photocraniton. That was it. Yes, but unfortunately, production costs were prohibitive.
8: Uh Uh-huh, but you didn't let that discourage
6: you. Oh, no, 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 no indeed. You see, after a brief illness, I was back in my laboratory, perfecting my greatest contribution to science, what may prove to be the greatest contribution of science to humanity. I call it Penetron. Penetron. That is what they have stolen, the secret formula for Penetron.
8: Penetron, huh? Now, uh, what exactly is Penetron, Mr. Fox, and who are they? Uh,
6: Well, Penetron is a plastic... With a molecular structure which repels atomic radiation more efficiently than lead, yet weighs less than aluminium. Oh, that. Do you realize the significance of this? Well, uh... Um, Imagine, imagine a motor no larger than a cigar box with a power potential that even I don't believe. But they do. Who's they? Grierson Enterprises. Now, how do I know this? When I applied to the patent office to protect my discovery, I received this letter. Here, go on, read it for yourself.
8: Uh, Commissioner of Patents, Washington, D.C., uh, dear Mr. Fox, your application for patent on formula designated under the trade name Penetron is hereby rejected. Uh-huh, you see. Both formula and trade name, together with descriptive material identical to yours, have been registered by Mr. Albert Grierson, Grierson Enterprises, San Francisco. Oh, huh. Very truly yours, George Sherman, Acting Deputy Assistant Commissioner. There, there, there. You,
6: you see?
8: Uh, yes. You don't need a detective, Mr. Fox, What you need is a good patent lawyer.
6: Lawyer? I have one. A legal ball of fire named Roscoe Manning. You know this scoundrel?
8: Yeah, he's got an okay reputation.
6: And I am paying for it. $3,000 in retainers. And now he tells me he can do nothing. Insufficient evidence, he says.
8: What is this outfit, Grierson Enterprises? Yeah, a snare
6: and a delusion with with rented furniture, unscientific ventilation, and dirty work at the switchboard.
8: Mm-hmm. How did they get hold of your formula?
6: Well, it must have been while I was ill. They came and took it away.
8: How of your laboratory?
6: Oh, well, what does it matter where? I've got to start someplace. Start with the man. I promise you he's a crook. If he steals from me, he's stolen from others. If we can prove that, then I have a case.
8: Well, I can't promise you anything, Mister Fox, but I'll see what I can do.
6: Uh, uh, will a hundred dollars be enough for your retainer?
8: Too much. Twenty-five now, and the balance if I can do anything for you. I doubted if I could even earn the twenty-five, but if he wanted to gamble, it was okay with me. The offices of Greer's and Enterprises were pretty much as he described them—a beautiful front, especially at the switchboard. <laughs>
9: Gerson Enterprises, good afternoon. No, Mr. Gerson's out of town. No, I don't know when you expect him. I'll be right with you.
8: That's good news.
9: Gerson Enterprises? No, he is not. No, I do not, and he doesn't want to talk to you in any case, Mr. Manning. Oh, if it would just stop.
8: Can't you shut it off?
9: I might as well. Nobody seems to believe me anyway. You weren't looking for him too, I hope. Oh, please, just tell me he's selling magazines or collecting salvage or just anything. My card. Oh, Detective, Mr. Gerson hasn't done anything, has he?
8: That's what I want to find out. My client says he swiped his secret formula.
9: Oh, not that maniac. You don't look the type. You know he's mad, don't you?
8: Maybe yes, maybe no. Personally, I'm crazy about money. Mad money, pin money, or dirty money. Uh, Your employer didn't happen to leave any lying around, did he?
9: No, but he has a charge account at a bar downstairs in the building, and it's nearly five o'clock. Could you cross-examine me there? (laughs)
8: I thanked her as gallantly as I could under the circumstances. She said, wait here, I won't be a minute. And while she was gone, I made a quick frisk of the office. The file cabinet was empty. Grierson's desk contained nothing but two unsharpened pencils, tobacco crumbs, a rubber band, some rusty paper clips, an old gas bill, a glass ampule, broken, labeled sodium denadrine for intravenous injection, and a business card from one Roscoe Manning, attorney at law. I stuck the card in my pocket, went back to the switchboard, and in less time than it takes to tell, I was calling her Lois, and she was calling me Sam over cocktails for two.
9: And that's all I know about it. I didn't think anything about his taking his correspondence out of the files. He often took work home with him.
8: Mm-hmm. When was the last time you saw him?
9: Oh, it's been nearly six weeks.
8: You haven't heard from him in all that time. Mm.
9: He was with Mr. Fox just before he left. They had a terrible quarrel. But then Mr. Gerson managed to get him calmed down, and they left the office together.
8: And that's the last time you saw Gerson,
9: huh? Yes, and it's all very strange. What did that maniac tell you?
8: That Gerson swiped his invention.
9: Do you believe that?
8: I didn't even believe in the invention. Now I'm beginning to think it was worth stealing.
9: Oh, Mr. Gerson wouldn't... He's a brilliant man, you know.
8: Uh, What else has he invented?
9: Well, I don't know. He always had a lot of projects, but course, he never took me into his confidence.
8: Just exactly, what is your job?
9: Oh, it's quite simple, really. I just tell people he is in.
8: Yeah, look, uh, sweetheart, you really mean to tell me it never occurred to you that there might be something slightly fishy about Grayson Enterprises?
9: I know, why should it?
8: Because there's a smell of red herring up there. It's in the air.
9: You mean Mr. Gerson's a crook? Well, what does that make me?
8: Worry that out on his time. Drink up. She looked as if she were telling the truth Though with women, especially blue-eyed women, that doesn't always mean anything If she had anything more to tell, she obviously wasn't ready yet to tell it I asked her to come up and listen to my Herb Jeffries records She said my apartment needed a woman's touch I handed her a broom, she hit me on the head with it and left And so to bed Up the times and phoned my client He wasn't in Then I phoned a guy I know who sometimes knows about things and asked him what sodium denadrine was. He said it was a sedative and or truth serum, a mental-type drug. I wondered what Grierson's been using it for during office hours. I also wondered what else he'd been spending money for. I phoned another guy who knows about other things, and he called me back with the name of Grierson's bank, Golden Gate Trust. An hour later, to my surprise, I actually had something to go on. Because in the past six weeks, checks totaling 50,000 bucks had been deposited to Grierson's account, all drawn on the citrus exchange bank at San Anselmo and all bearing the signature of one Carl Birdwell, M.D. He wasn't hard to find. It was a big place on the outskirts, and the sign on the gate said Mary F. Hotchkiss Hospital for the Mentally Deranged. Dr. Birdwell's cottage was one of five without bars on the windows. He was spraying his roses.
10: Ah! You're that cystidectomy of Dr. Kobler's. How are those convulsions?
8: Uh, Coordination all right? I uh, can't complain.
10: Got the use of your fingers back? Good. Pick up those shears. I want all those ragged edges. Cut off the hedges.
8: Well, why don't you uh, hire a gardener out of those uh, checks to grips and use up all your ready cash? Eh? Oh, I thought you were the cystidectomy.
10: Good Lord, you're that convolutional melancholiac. You're not allowed out on the grounds. God! God! Now, wait a minute, doctor. Matter. Is this one acting up. Take him back. I said for the sister dictomy. This is the wrong man. You're huh? crazy. Come let on. Let go of
8: me. I'm not a patient here. I'm a detective. Yeah, and I'm I'm Sherlock Holmes. Come on, now back to the violent war. Come on, lay off. I got an office in San Francisco. I can prove it. 137-596. Okay, Dr. Watson, but come on, come on. <laughs> And in more time than it takes to tell, due to the guard's jujitsu, I was disrobed, straight-jacketed, and rolled into a wet sheet. A full-fledged inmate of the Mary F. Hotchkiss Hospital for the Mentally Deranged, which is exactly where I belong for having taken Mr. Fox's 25 bucks. The makers of Wild Root Cream Oil are presenting
0: the weekly Sunday adventure of Dashiell Hammett's famous private detective... Sam Spade.
3: You can just hear the quality there, Lisa. That's a full orchestra. It was not an organ. That's like a full symphony orchestra there, the CBS orchestra. You had Howard Duff. Yeah, loreen Tuttle, Joseph Kearns is in this cast. You know, it was a big production. William Spear, one of the greatest producer directors of radio, he was the producer of Suspense for many, many years. He also um, produced uh, a bunch of different shows, but Sam Spade was one of them. And uh, you can hear you can hear the difference between, let's say, a syndicated show and these big radio productions. Uh, Sam Spade. That's the first portion of the Mad Scientist caper from July 25th, 1948. We'll have more after these words.
2: Back to WGN Radio Theater with Earl Amari and Lisa Wolf.
3: We have Shantae Garth as our producer tonight, Lisa Wolfe. Uh, and uh, Lisa's here, Mike's here, Roger's here, Vic is here, Roe is here. We got a lot of lot of people here. And, we do. Uh,
4: Dan Long is here, Long. and somebody just sent in a text that says, "Did Roger Baddish get a piece of cake too?" Yeah, and he, the answer he, is a definite it was yes. Amazing.
3: All right. Well, we're listening to the adventures of Sam Spade, detective. Here's the conclusion.
0: And now back to the mad scientist caper. Tonight's adventure with Sam
8: Spade. I have been shot, stabbed, slashed, pistol whipped and sapped into unconsciousness. But until you have spent a night rolled up in a wet sheet, Dundee, you don't know what punishment is. You feel hot and cold at the same time, too miserable to sleep, too exhausted to stay awake. And after four hours of it, you just give up and join the crazies pushing up the daisies. There's only one thing I can say in favor of the Mary F. Hotchkiss Hospital for the mentally deranged. They get the patients up early. By 6.30 in the a.m., I had been rolled out of the sheet. By quarter of seven, I had thawed out enough to be taken out of the straitjacket by an orderly. I was glad to be out of it because it was very heavy, and that gave me an idea. I picked it up and swung it. In less time than it takes to tell, I was in the orderly's uniform, out of the violent wing, and shuffling up the walk through Dr. Birdwell's rose garden and through his cottage door. Good morning, Dr. Birdwell. Bert, uh,
10: good Lord, who let you in here? What do you want?
8: I was trying to tell you yesterday when I was so rudely interrupted.
10: Hey, eh? Oh, yes, the detective.
8: Did you say Grierson sent you? I didn't say that. I'm afraid you'll have to be absolutely specific or I can't help you. All right. My client is an inventor who claims that Mr. Grierson stole a formula from him, got a patent on it, and stands to profit to the tune of about a million bucks. The last two items check. I don't know whether Grierson's a crook or not. He's under you for 50,000 bucks, so you might know. Uh,
10: this inventor. Pale eyes, contracted pupils, big mop of hair.
8: That's a fair description.
10: Fox. Raymond Fox. He's a patient, escaped from this hospital. That man, Mr. Spade, is a homicidal maniac. If you jog your memory, you may recall the case. Sacramento, 1935.
8: Sacramento. Wait a minute. Chemistry professor, lab explosion? That's
10: the case. Two of his colleagues, whom he irrationally suspected of stealing the formula for the explosive he used to blow them up. You sure they didn't? The man was adjudged hopelessly insane. He must be returned to us. He may murder Grierson, he may murder you. But he will commit a murder if he remains at large. Perhaps more than one murder. You must help us,
8: Spade. Like you, doctor, I can't help unless you're absolutely specific about a couple of things. Your connection with Grierson, for instance. I invested in Grierson's firm. Uh huh. How did Fox meet Grierson?
10: He was allowed a certain degree of freedom here during his rational period. I, I guess that he went through my papers or overheard one of my conversations with
8: Mr. Grierson. Mm hmm. Do you know he retained a lawyer?
10: Huh?
8: Manning, smart patent lawyer. You must think Fox has a case. Oh, surely not. Grierson thinks so too. You've talked to Grierson? No, but I've examined his bank statements. The bank allowed that? I told him I was Grierson's attorney. The point is, Grierson is broke. Why? Because he's paid out every penny you gave him to the order of Roscoe Manning, attorney-at-law. And you know what I think, Doctor? Yes? I think Raymond Fox is crazy like a fox. (laughs) And I had the same idea about Dr. Birdwell, but I didn't say so. I didn't feel up to spending another night in a wet sheet. I also didn't feel up to the interview that was awaiting me outside the gates... A limousine, only a little longer than a hearse, was standing at the curb. A round pink head with a gray homburg on it bobbed out at me from the driver's seat and said... Mr. Spade? Yeah?
11: Roscoe Manning, how'd you do?
8: About $49,975 less than you've done in the caper so far.
11: (laughs) The law is a lucrative profession, my boy. (laughs) Uh, Get in, I'll drive you back to town. No charge? Yeah, I'll even give you some free advice, Sands Retainer. Well, sir, you are an elusive chap. I've had the devil's own time catching up with you.
8: How did you? I won't ask why. I am
11: not without resources. Now, uh, as to our mutual client, Mr. Fox, uh, obviously you've learned a good deal about him.
8: Dr. Ferdwell says he's cuckoo, and it's only a toss-up which one of us he's going to blow up first.
11: Uh, Just about what you'd expect from a medical man. If you'd listened to as much conflicting medical testimony in court as I have, you'd take them all with a grain of salt.
8: Or should I say soda mint? Or uh, sodium denadrine? That's a mysterious remark. I was just trying it on for size. It didn't fit. Mm -hmm.
11: Well, sir, here is my proposition. As to Fox's sanity, it's of no importance. He has money, and I think he has a case. We can always get a doctor to say he's back in his right mind.
8: Where do I fit into your scheme? You
11: just keep looking for Grierson. And, uh, watch what's that secretary of his? I don't trust her. Anything else? Oh, uh, I almost forgot. Here's $500, and here's your ticket to Chicago.
8: I don't know why, but somehow I got the impression that Mr. Manning was trying to get rid of me. He should have used that ticket to Chicago himself. We stopped at Sausalito for breakfast, and the condemned man ate a hearty meal. We drove the last mile through the Marina District and pulled up in front of his house.
11: Well, sir, have a nice trip. Or uh, take the car, Mister Spade. I'll pick it up at the depot. Uh, goodbye. It's been charming. Goodbye.
8: He backed across the sidewalk, waving, and I waved back. Then he went up three steps, put a key in his door, and opened it. It didn't do much damage to the house. But all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Roscoe Manning back together again. I got out of the car and just made it up the steps when it happened again. I hated the look, but I did. Where well, the limousine had been parked with me in it, was a smoking heap of scrap metal. I then headed for the nearest phone booth and pausing only to inspect it for mines and booby traps, dialed the number of Griers and Enterprises. Enterprises. Lois, Sam Spade. Sam, darling,
9: thank you for the present.
8: What present? I
9: haven't had a chance to open it yet, but I think I can guess what it is. A traveling clock.
8: You mean a package arrived and it ticks? Oh,
9: darling, don't be such a tease. Now, Lois, listen. Oh, all right, I'll open it now.
8: Throw it out the window. No, don't do that. Pedestrians, innocent bystanders. Uh, Have you got a metal wastebasket there? I
9: think so, yes. Well,
8: fill it up with water and throw the package into it.
9: And ruin my lovely clock. It is not a
8: lovely clock. It's a lovely booby trap. Oh,
9: uh, I'm serious.
8: Manning just got one of them, and what's left of him is on the way to the morgue. Oh
7: I think I'm gonna faint.
8: Lois! Lois! Wake up! Pour some water on yourself! Hello, hello! Oh Let me through here. Come on, let me through. Lois. Lois. Oh, Oh, you're okay. Later that. All right, she's all right now, you people. Come on, get out of here. She's all right. Come on, get up. You're not hurt.
5: What happened?
8: It exploded in the water. At least you had sense enough to do what I told you to.
9: Oh, this was a new dress. Now look at it. It
8: looks fine here. Put this coat around you.
9: I don't think that was a very funny joke, Sam.
8: Neither do I. Now uh, try and forget your clothes for a minute. And try and answer a few questions for me. There isn't much time.
9: Sam, what is it?
8: I want you to be very sure of this, Lois. Try and remember accurately. How many people has Grierson seen as he opened this office?
9: Well, not very many. was hardly ever in. Well, strange. Now that I think of it, I can only remember two. Mr. Manning and that mad scientist man, Mr. Fox.
8: Yeah? Did you hear any of the conversation between Grierson and Fox?
9: Oh, he just screamed at Mr. Grierson about how his invention had been stolen from him. Then it sounded as if they scuffled, and all of a sudden, Mr. Fox calmed down. Mm -hmm. When they came out, his eyes looked funny. As if he'd been hypnotized.
8: Yeah. Uh, What does uh, Grayson look like?
9: Oh, he must have been quite handsome at one time. He's sort of like Gregory Peck with a mustache, only fatter and balder and older.
8: Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have put it exactly like that, but I can see what you mean.
9: But you've never seen him.
8: Don't make book on it, but I think I have. I made three phone calls. One to a crime reporter I don't like very well, giving him a false story on the death of Lois, Grierson's secretary. Another to my client, the mad scientist, alias Raymond Fox, and one to Dr. Birdwell. Then I went to my apartment and waited. My client arrived five minutes before the doctor. When Birdwell came in, my client said...
6: Aha! That's he! He stole my secret formula!
8: Oh, now, Raymond, you're getting confused again.
6: Oh!
10: I'm the doctor, don't you remember? That's not true.
6: Your name is Grierson.
10: Oh, he's much worse. His identification. You must try to remember, Raymond. Nobody's going to hurt you. But you'll be much sicker if you don't remember.
6: But I do remember. I remember everything.
10: Do you remember setting the bombs at Manning's house and the one you sent to Mr. Grierson's office? No,
6: no, 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 no. Grierson isn't dead. You're Grierson. No,
10: Grierson isn't dead. Only that poor girl. No,
6: no, no. She didn't steal my formula. It, It was you. Oh, you're trying to mix me up. I'm
10: trying to help you. Now, roll up your sleeve.
8: I'll give you something to quiet your
10: nerves, and we'll go back to the hospital.
8: Put it away, doctor. You've helped him enough. Huh?
10: Now, look here. This man is my patient. He needs medical attention.
8: I won't argue with you, but I think he'd better get it from some other doctor. Right now, he's making more sense than you are. Ha! Just keep on the way you're going, Spade, and I'll have you back in that wet sheet. I did it once, and I can do it again. Sit down. You got delusions of (laughs) grandeur. Stop shaking, Raymond. I said you're making more sense than he is, and I can prove it. (laughs) You think you're very astute, don't you? No, I'm stupid, but I'm lucky. I should have tumbled to the whole caper when I found that you'd invested 50,000 smackers in Grierson Enterprises. When I found out that Raymond was an escaped patient, I should have tumbled to what that Denadrine vial was doing in Grierson's desk. I should have known then that you and Grierson were one and the same person.
6: Ah, I, I, I told when you... When I
8: discovered that you'd paid Manning all that shakedown money, I should have known you were planning to knock him off and everybody else who could identify you. But it didn't work out that way. I got out of the car before it blew up. Dumb luck. And you can identify me as Grierson? I don't have to.
10: Oh, <laughs> God. Surely you're not counting on Raymond Sanity to that extent. He can't even remember that I was his doctor. Can you, Raymond? You're trying
6: to mix me up. You stole my formula. I didn't kill them, did I, Mr. Spade? Now, lie
8: down on the couch and relax, Raymond. Don't worry about a thing. Well, doctor, what now? You relax, too. Okay, Lois, come on in.
10: What? Lois! Why, Mr. Gerson, have you been sick? How dare you? How dare you ruin all my pants like this? You stupid girl! <laughs> okay, that's enough. Come on, get back there. Get back
8: Sorry, sweetheart. I didn't mean to let him get that close to you.
9: What were you trying to do?
8: It was an experiment, just to see what would happen. It did. So that's the way your scientific detectors work.
10: For a hard-boiled chap, you have the vaguest way of doing things I ever heard of.
8: Well, uh, plans are all right sometimes, Doctor, and sometimes just stirring things up is all right if you're tough enough to survive and keep your eyes open so you see what you want when it comes to the top or something. Uh, Spade, Dundee, I'm at home. I've, uh, got two homicidal characters here, one sane and one insane. Now, if you can tell the difference, I'll let you give the story to the papers. And that, Lieutenant D, is the crop. You, uh, picked the wrong one. Figures. It's as simple as this. Raymond Fox was the loony... But Birdwell, alias Grierson, conceived and executed the whole scheme, including the explosions. Don't worry about Fox. He's now back at the hospital working on a new secret formula. I don't know what it is, but it might be an anti-truth serum serum, because that's how Birdwell got the penetron formula, by using truth serum on the mad scientist to make him talk. Anyway, you figured, he's crazy like a fox. His enemies are all dead or on their way, and he's as snug as a rug in a bug house. Period. End of Looney Tune.
7: Well, of all... Well, just imagine. Well, it takes all sorts to make a world, I guess.
8: Well, I guess you never spoke a truer word, Effie, but don't forget, a stitch in time saves nine.
7: Don't feel too badly about it, Sam. Better late than never. You
8: took the words right out of a horse's mouth, but it's later than you think, Angel. Type that up, Angel, and while you're at it, see if you can think up a way to teach an old dog new tricks.
7: Here it is, Sam. And I've been thinking over what you said. Which? About teaching an old dog new tricks. Mm-hmm. You're only as old as you feel, Sam.
8: Then send in the application for my old-age pension. Oh,
7: Sam, I won't let you talk that way. You're just tired nervous and run down. Yeah,
8: backache, stay-up nights, sour racket. You're
7: just feeling sorry for that, Mr. Fox. I wouldn't worry about him. As you pointed out, he's safer where he is for all concerned. Mm-hmm. And after all, necessity is the mother of invention.
8: What's that got to do with anything?
7: Well, he's an inventor, isn't he? Oh, that. You see? all well that ends well. Good night, Sam.
8: Good night, Pollyanna.
7: Pollyanna. Oh, she's the glad girl. Oh, no, Sam, that Shakespeare, that old... You guy. know
8: best. All ashore that's going ashore. Good night, sweetheart.
0: The Adventures of Sam Spade, Dashiell Hammett's famous private detective, are produced and directed by William Spear. Sam Spade is played by Howard Dove. Lorene Tuttle is Effie. The Adventures of Sam Spade are written for radio by Bob Tallman and Gil Dowd with musical direction by Lud Gluskin. Gil Dowd directed tonight's broadcast in William Spears' absence. Join us again next Sunday for another adventure with Sam Spade. Brought to you by Wild Root Cream Oil. Again and again, the choice of men who put good grooming first. This is Dick Joy reminding you to... Get wild root cream oil, Charlie. It keeps your hair in trim. You see, it's non-alcoholic, Charlie. It's made with soothing lanolin. You better get Wild Root Cream Oil. Charlie, start using it today. You'll find that you will have a tough time, Charlie. Keep on all the gals away. Hiya, Baldy. Get Wild Root right away. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.
3: The singing commercial there for Wild Root Cream Oil at the end of that Sam Spade broadcast. That's your favorite uh hair gel, isn't it, Lisa? You wear Wild it all the time. Yeah, it's nice. Oh, it I your... thought
4: you meant the barbershop quartet. No, it like makes that. your hair
3: nice and greasy.
4: Yeah, I like you the like greasy that. look. Yeah, it's a it kind of good on me.
3: Dripping. With grease,
4: yeah, it's, it's nice. nice. It's smooth I that like way. It. it smells good.
3: Um, and looks good too. Thanks. Yeah, I'll take a picture of you. <laughs>
4: <laughs> we got uh, plenty of pictures tonight. <laughs> yeah,
3: we sure did. Um, and uh, that is this the Mad Scientist Caper, Howard Duff. From July 25th, 1948 is heard on CBS. Hope you enjoyed that. Let's take a break. Then it's more on the WGN radio theater. All right. In the next hour, Lisa, we're going to tune into the Jack Benny program. You are going to love it. They're rehearsing for Jack's TV show. It's a 1953 broadcast. So at this time, he was on radio and television. He was a very, very busy, busy guy. And so his radio show often talked about what they were going to do on the television show, which made a lot of sense. They were both on CBS, CBS Radio with Jack, and then CBS Television. And uh, the Jack Benny show we're going to listen to, you're going to hear, is amazing quality. It's directly from the master transcriptions. And that's what we have for the Classic Radio Club. All of the shows that I choose each and every month to send to our Classic Radio Club members are direct from the master recordings. You can never hear these sh- these uh, shows in this quality anywhere else. Plus, there's always rare gems that we put in there. I write liner notes. And the members, which we have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of members of the Classic Radio Club, each and every month they get these 10 shows either via digital download or on five CDs in a collector case. And I know you like the digital downloads. I do.
4: I like to keep them on my computer. I like to store them that way. Yeah.
3: And then Mike, he likes the five CDs in the collector case because he has them. He's building like a whole library and he has a shelf dedicated for it. And every month he has a new five CD set and they're all different colors. And I have uh, pictures of the stars on there. It's pretty new, really nice. But uh, what's really great is the quality of the shows. The quality is amazing. It's like as good as anything you'll ever hear. They're almost like high fidelity.
4: Right. The quality and I would say the variety of the shows too, because there's no way to get that kind of variety. You really don't know which shows within, let's say, Suspense are the best ones or within Johnny Dollar or Sam Spade. You choose the best of the best and give everybody a great variety of shows and that's, you know, that's a gift.
3: Plus, you know, I've spent forty years, it's almost forty years, about thirty nine years when Since I started not only collecting these shows, but licensing them from the people that created them, like George Burns and the Jack Benny estate. I licensed from Milton Berle. I licensed from uh, George Burns for the Burns and Allen show and CBS for shows like Sam Spade and on and on and on. And because I'm licensing the shows, we get to broadcast them and sell them and we get the master recordings directly from the people that created them. So those are what we're using to then make you out there in radio land, make you a copy of these shows. Plus we digitally remaster them. So they sound amazing, but the only way to get them is through the classic radio club. Now, we started this club a little over a year ago, hundreds and hundreds of members, and we have made it super easy for you to join, at least to try it for one month, and that's only a dollar. You can go to our website, check it out for a dollar, get 10 shows sent to you, and if you are not happy for whatever reason, you can cancel. So go to ClassicRadioClub.com. That's our website, ClassicRadioClub.com. Join, and we will send you right away your first 10 classic radio shows and liner notes. In our next hour, as I said, Jack Benny, so stick around for that.
2: Back to WGN Radio Theater with Earl Amari and Lisa Wolfe.
3: All right, it is 12.07. Thank you, Vic. And uh, this is our second hour. We'll be here till 1 o'clock in the morning. We do two hours on Sunday nights. And uh, this hour, it is the Jack Benny Program. Hilarious episode from 1953. That's coming your way in just a few minutes. But right now, it's time to play our game.
4: Is it real or, or is it ridiculous? Is it? It is.
3: Ridiculous? Yes, it's real? Ridiculous.
4: Yes, it's both of those. Is this it? game is real and it's ridiculous. Right. And it's going to be about Loretta Swit this hour. Oh, MASH. Right. Yeah. Right. Hot
3: Lips Houlihan. Hot Lips hula Gosh. Right. Did you yeah. like her? She's great. Yeah. On she Mash. was great. You know, MASH was not a show I was that into growing up. I guess it was just a little too, you know, with the you know, Vietnam War and all that. Right. I wasn't yeah. really into we were it. very young. But now that I'm older and I watch T V and Antenna TV a lot, yeah. and they have MASH, appreciate and I watch it, it, I could really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. and she's great on that. it.
4: She sure is. And we're going to be giving away two tickets to see Monty Python's Spamalot. At Mercury Theater Chicago, Fantastic. great theater, great show. Fantastic. So we're going to look for caller number three. You can call right now at three one two nine eight one seventy two hundred. Call now, and we'll
3: be right back.
5: You no, know,
3: at least uh, I think I said the Vietnam War. Of course, Mash was about the Korean War. Yes. Yeah, so- and one of our very uh, smart listeners reminded me of that. Thank you.
4: Yes. Thank and you.
3: uh yeah, well, guess correct. what? You were Loretta wrong. Loretta Sw- I was wrong <laughs> again. Jeez. uh Loretta Swit is our is our topic for Real or Ridiculous. Yes,
4: she is. And we have we have Sandy on the phone. Hi Sandy. Hi Sandy. Hello there. So Hi. glad you're gonna play the game with us. Sandy,
3: if you would have been here earlier, you could have had a piece of cake. Or if you were here now, that you know Luan made. Oh my There's gosh, Sandy. My birthday. Tomorrow? Tomorrow. Happy birthday. We're going to
4: send a virtual cake over your way from Luann. Fellow
3: Leo. (laughs) Way to go, Sandy.
4: Uh, Okay, well, we'll do a little Loretta Swit. And happy birthday, Sandy. Yeah,
3: happy birthday.
4: Thank you. All right, well, you're a winner. You've already won a gift, so we're going to make this your birthday present, but we'll get to that. Number one, Loretta Swit was the only actress in M.A.S.H. who appeared in both the pilot episode and the finale. Really ridiculous. Um, uh,
3: I'll take it for real. No, I say ridiculous.
4: Hmm, interesting. It's ridiculous. Um, uh, but the only the only other actor actress Alan Alda. was Alan Alda, yeah. who appeared in the pilot right, and so in the finale. this is for you, Sandy. <laughs>
3: That's usually my Don't theme you worry, song, Sandy. But this is for me. <laughs>
4: Number two, her big break came in the late 1960s playing Agnes Gooch in a Las Vegas production of the musical Mame. Real or ridiculous? Uh, Let's
3: take that one for real. I agree. It's real. It
4: is absolutely real. All right, here we go, number three. Man, I'm on a roll here. Oh, boy. She played the role of Chris Cagney in the pilot for the 1981 TV movie Cagney and Lacey. Oh.
3: Hmm. I I think that's ridiculous. I think it's real.
4: It's real. Ah. Get out of here. Here's for you. Good job, Carl.
3: And here's for me.
4: Yeah, but you know what? Here's the thing, Sandy. Man,
3: I'm on fire.
4: Sandy, you are the winner, and it's your birthday, And you have won two great theater tickets because you're going to Mercury Theater Chicago. They are presenting the positively medieval satire Monty Python Spamalot. That
3: is really a fun play. It certainly
4: is. It's it's starting previews August 30th, and Newsday calls Spamalot a a holy grail of big, crowd-pleasing musical comedy. More at mercurytheaterchicago.com. Congratulations. We're going to send you two tickets. I hope you have a great uh, evening at Mercury Theater.
9: And
3: thank you, thank you. And happy birthday, Carl. Thanks, Sandy. Happy Happy birthday birthday to you. Appreciate you. you. Take care. All right, Sandy's a big winner. We're uh, we're here till 1 o'clock in the morning. Our text in line 312 981 7200. We absolutely love Love, love getting your texts. So, um, text us if you, and especially if you've never texted us, we'd love to hear from you. Um, you know what, Lisa? We are going on a cruise. We are. We're going on a cruise. And here's the great thing about it. We have reserved a bunch of rooms for our listeners, and we got an incredible, incredible price. We're going to a fun, fun, fun place, Bermuda. We're going to visit two islands in Bermuda. We take uh, out of New York, so we fly to New York. And then the ship leaves New York, but it's an incredible cruise line in Oceana, which is known for their cuisine and service and fun destinations. And we just have a we have a great trip planned seven. Full days and nights on this cruise.
4: Right. And this is August first of twenty twenty, which sounds far away, but we only have a limited number of rooms. So we hope that you'll look into it now, book some rooms. I know we have a handful of listeners who have already booked. Oh yeah. Thank you. We appreciate that. Carl and I are definitely going to be there. And so we hope that you'll join us. Um Oceano is a Oceana is a top notch cruise line. So right. I feel really confident going on the best of the best because the that's what we're offering. We only want the best. We want the best for us. We want the best for you. And um, the name of the ship is called Insignia. And um, world-class ship. Uh, Fitness center, spa, lounges, bars, casinos, the whole nine yards. And of course, we're going to have some classic radio fun as well. And uh, hang out. And we're going to do a reenactment and some trivia contests and and prizes. You can be
3: in our reenactment.
4: We're going to have a cocktail party. play a role in it. We're going to have a great time. We hope you'll think about it. You can check it out. There's two ways for you to look into it. You can call our travel agency, which is called Keen Luxury Travel. Their number is 800-856-1155. Or you can visit wgnradiotheater.com and you can scroll down. There's a banner for the cruise and click on it. I just posted um, a banner on our Facebook page. And if you click on that, it'll take you to... I'll it'll give you all the information you need, so you can go to our Facebook page as well. Scroll down just a little bit; you'll see a you'll see the link for the cruise there as well. If you have any questions, um, you can always text us or message us on Facebook. But we hope you'll consider joining us on our uh, Bermuda cruise next year. What's the eight hundred number again? 800-856-1155.
3: Yeah, that takes you to uh, that that will ring at. Keen luxury travel. Yeah,
4: call them tomorrow. Yeah,
3: call them tomorrow. Give them a call. They'll uh, walk you through everything. And this is starting at the incredibly low price of only eleven ninety nine. I mean, can you imagine that? And that includes the gratuities, all your gratuities. And free Wi-Fi.
4: I think it also, there's a package that will allow you to include your airfare to and from New York as well. Yeah, as they, part they, of they, the can, they can get you a
3: great, great price so on, on airfare. So we're going to
4: work with them. They're going to do a great job for us. We hope that uh, you guys will go well, with yeah, us.
3: Lisa, I think, is paying like $25,000 for the suite, right, For the, on the top of the... Ship.
4: I got the penthouse. Yeah, you got the but penthouse. But you can come visit me. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> no, but eleven
3: ninety nine. That is really, really, really a great deal. For, yeah, it's really think all about that. For the it's week. all your meals, all your you know, f- all the food, all the fun, the destinations. Eleven ninety nine per yeah. person. That's yeah. really really inexpensive. It's going to be a lot. of Starting fun. at that, of course. Um, all right, so check it out and um, and come with us on our. Our classic radio radio cruise. Come
4: sail away. Come Come sail sail away away with with me.
3: me. Uh, All right, so it's Jack Benny time. This is a broadcast from November 15, 1953. Now, we talked about this earlier. At this time, Jack was not only on radio, but he was also doing his television show. And oftentimes, he would talk about his television show on his radio show. He cross-promoted the two. And that's what we need. We need a television show, Lisa. And then we can use the radio show to cross-promote. Right, ah, that's a good idea. Work on that. So, anybody out there that uh, wants <laughs> to give te- us a television show? Yeah, yeah, we're, we're for hire. Yeah, <laughs> we'll do it. We'll do a TV show. We would. Yeah,
4: we're a little expensive, but we're worth it. Yeah,
3: we cost a lot of money, <laughs> but uh, we'll give you a bang for the buck. Right, <laughs> you, you good do the bang. bang for I'll the do buck. buck. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, Jack Benny on this he's, uh kind of the cast is talking about the uh, upcoming TV show, rehearsing for it. Lots and lots of fun. Part one now. The Jack Benny program.
1: The Jack Benny program. The program starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Rochester, Dennis Day, Bob Crosby, and yours truly, Donald. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight Jack Benny will do another of his TV programs over the CBS network. However, let's turn back the clock to early morning and go out to Jack's home in Beverly Hills.
12: Good morning, Rochester. Oh, good morning, milkman. Easy with those bottles. Mr. Benny is still asleep.
2: Okay, here's your order. The milk, cream, butter, and eggs.
12: Thanks. Uh, By the way, when you came up the walk, did you see any sign of our parrot? No. Why? Every year when it gets close to Thanksgiving, she gets scared and hides from us. No,
2: I didn't see it. Well, I gotta be going.
12: Goodbye. See you tomorrow.
2: Oh, say, uh, Rochester, doesn't Mr. Benny do another of his television shows tonight?
12: Uh Uh-huh. That's why I'm letting him sleep so late. You know, doing radio and television is quite a strain. Even for a man of 39.
2: <laughs> Who are you trying to kid? You've been saying Mr. Benny is 39 for years.
12: I know and I'll keep right on saying until I get a better offer from some other comedian.
2: <laughs> All right, I see what you mean. Well, goodbye.
12: Goodbye. Well, I better put this stuff in the refrigerator. <laughs> Polly, so that's where you've been hiding. Dodge, look at the shiver. Polly, how do you feel? Oh baby, it's cold outside. <laughs> oh, God, Polly. This is the second time you've hidden in the refrigerator. <laughs> take you out of there I better give you something to keep you from catching cold let's see what's good for that maybe some cognac or hot milk yeah I'll give you some hot milk cognac
4: cognac <laughs> okay okay okay, okay Molly. I'll give you a
12: <laughs> uh, here's the cognac I'll pour a little into your dish. Good morning, Rochester. Good morning, Mr. Benny. I'll have your breakfast in just a minute.
13: Oh, that's fine. I'm, I'm really hungry.
12: It won't take long. i let you sleep a little later because you're doing your TV show tonight.
13: And I'm glad you did, Rochester, because I had the same dream again.
12: The one where you were locked in the California bank? Yeah. <laughs> and I counted all the
13: money. The fives, tens, twenties, fifties, hundreds, and thousand-dollar bills. And finally, the total was $7,349,560. Boy, what a relief. Why? The night before, I was $2 short. <laughs> Gosh, the dream was so real.
12: It must have been, wash the green off your hands and have your breakfast. <laughs> okay. Hello, Polly. Hello. <laughs> <laughs>
13: Rochester,
12: what's the matter with Polly? Oh, it's a long story. She's starting to catch a cold, so I gave her a little cognac.
13: Cognac? Why didn't you give her bourbon?
12: I can't stand her when she's got whiskey on her bread. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well.
13: well, take good care of her while I'm at the studio. You know, I won't want anything to happen. I'll get it. Coming, coming. Oh, hello, Dennis. Hello. How you feeling, kid? Fine. What's new? Nothing. Oh, uh, well, what'd you come over here for?
14: Say goodbye. I'm running away from home.
13: Not again. Always runs away from home. Dennis, does your mother know you're running away from home? It was her idea. What oh, happens? Another fight with your mother? Huh?
14: Uh huh. What happened this time? Well, we were all sitting around the dinner table laughing and having a good time, and then suddenly she lost her temper when I mentioned August 14th, 1924. What happened that day? That's when I was born.
13: (laughs) Oh, and as soon as you mentioned your birthday, she hit you, huh? Yeah, but she hit my father first. (laughs) kid, why don't you...
5: Oh, Mr. Benny!
13: What is it, Rochester? Your breakfast is ready! Okay, I'll be right there. Dennis, have you had your breakfast yet? No. Why don't you run out and get some while I'm having
12: mine? (laughs) (laughs) It won't take long. Mr. Benny, when I heard Mr. Day come in, I prepared breakfast for him, too.
13: Oh. Well, Dennis, how about joining me? Oh, no, thanks. I'm not hungry. But, Dennis, you told me you haven't had your breakfast. I know. Then how come you're not hungry? I just had lunch. (laughs) (laughs) Look, Dennis, if you weren't going to run away and you were going to be on the program next Sunday, you'd sing a song, wouldn't you? Yes, sir. Well, let's hear it now.
14: Always running away.
15: Silver song of a love. <laughs>
3: the sound quality you will get when you are a Classic Radio Club member. That is directly from a master recording of Jack Benny from November 15, 1953. We'll get back to it in just a few minutes.
2: Back to WGN Radio Theater with Earl Amari and Lisa Wolfe.
3: Thank you, Vic. It is 1235. On a Monday morning, we are listening to the Jack Benny program. Gosh, check Benny. Amazing, right? I just yeah. uh, was, um, uh, part of a, a Documentary on Jack Benny, and I sent it to you. I and I watched. What'd you it. think of it?
4: It was I. The crazy part of the whole thing was I was in Waukegan when I watched the documentary about Jack Benny and him growing up in Waukegan. And <laughs> I, I kind of felt you know nostalgic just being there.
3: <laughs> yeah, um, it was a lot of fun to be part of it, and I'm sort of throughout the documentary talking about Jack Benny, and uh, as soon as I find out when it's going to be. Airing, I will yeah. let you know. I will let all uh, everybody know. But it's like in you know it's being edited right now. Yeah, so it's uh, it's I well, watched you it. Need
4: no editing, Carl. <laughs> I watched <laughs> it,
3: and they did a tremendous yeah, job. Way you see all these pictures of it's Jack great. Benny. Great
4: clips and photos. Oh and, yeah, um, a lot of great information.
3: Yeah. Well, he's an icon. I mean, he was uh, stage, screen, and radio, the biggest, probably the biggest comedian of the golden age of uh, TV, movies, radio, wouldn't you say, Jack Benny?
4: Oh, yeah, and so cool that he grew up right here in our hometown. Yes,
3: he did. All right, let's get back now to this November fifteenth, 1953 uh, episode of the Jack Benny Program. Dennis, that old song
13: was fine. I know it'll be wonderful on the program next Sunday.
14: What do you mean, next Sunday? I'm running away today. (laughs) I know, but while you were singing it, I recorded it. Gee, for an old
13: man, you don't miss a trick, do you? (laughs) Look, Dennis, will you please leave me alone? I don't want to be aggravated because I'm supposed to do my television show today.
14: Oh, your TV show? Who's going to be your guest star? Johnny Ray. When your sweetheart sends a
15: letter of goodbye... Now, cut that off! It's no secret. Dennis, stop! Gee, <laughs>
14: <laughs> <laughs> hey, you jumpy, you think it was you who's was running away from home. Dennis, why don't you
13: <laughs> stop? Mr. Benny,
12: Polly's still sneezing. Shall I call the drugstore and have them send over some medicine?
13: The drugstore? Call up a veterinarian and have them come right over. But,
12: boss, that vet charges a lot of money for home visits.
13: So what? You know where to send the bill. (laughs) What are you laughing at?
12: If the Blue Cross ever finds out that Polly Benny isn't your daughter, you're in trouble. (laughs) Hmm. Anyway, Polly doesn't need a bet. She just has a little cold.
14: Oh, say, Mr. Benny, can I use your phone? The phone, yes, Dennis. Go ahead. Thanks. I want to call TWA. I'm going to get on a plane and go as far away wait a minute. as I Now, wait a minute, Dennis. Wait a minute. <sighs> this has gone far enough. Now, you pick up that
13: phone and call your mother and tell her that you're sorry and that you're not going to run away from home. But, Mr. Ben. Do as I say. Now, call your mother. Okay. Silly kid. Just before Thanksgiving, treating his mother like that.
14: Yeah. Hello, mother. This is Dennis, your son. I'm over at Mr. Benny's Uh Uh-huh He wanted me to call you And tell you I'm sorry And that I'm not gonna run away from home What? Okay, goodbye, Mother What'd she say? She said for you to mind your own business
13: (laughs) Well, I don't care what she said You're still not gonna run away from home And take that (laughs)
12: I'll get it, Mr. Benny Okay Oh, hello, Mr. Wilson. Hello, Rochester. Mr. Benny up yet? Up and assembled. He's in the
1: den. <laughs> oh, thanks. Well, hi, Jack. Hello, Dennis. Oh, uh, hello, Don. Hello, Don. I thought I'd see you at the studio. I know, but I came over here first. I, I want to see you about a rather personal matter. What is it? Well, uh, can I talk to you privately? It's uh, a little confidential.
14: Well, don't mind me. Tomorrow I'll be in Pakistan. <laughs> <laughs>
1: keep quiet. Now, what is this personal matter, Don? Well... I've broached this subject to you before. It's just this. I don't like all the jokes you make about my size. But now... Oh, it wasn't so bad on radio, because there the listeners couldn't see me. You could even do the same jokes about a skinny person. Well, then what's your complaint? Now you're doing them on television, and with me standing there, people can see I'm a big tub of blubber. <laughs> Well, Don, I'm sorry Just being sorry is not enough, Jack I'd like you to take that joke out of today's script Which joke? The one where you say to me Don, are those your chins or are you chewing on a Venetian blind? (laughs)
13: Don, it's a wonderful joke and
1: I made it up I don't care, I want it out
6: What? (laughs) What?
13: must be
5: loaded Brother, you're rich
13: when you can talk to me like that Okay, Don, I didn't know you were... Excuse me, Don Hello?
2: Hello, Jack This is Bob Crosby Oh, Bob, Bob, what is it? Well, Jack, I'm kind of worried You see, Frank Remley has disappeared No Yeah He's been gone for a couple of weeks now And I'm getting more and more upset Did you report his disappearance to the police? I went there last night Well, did you give the police a good description of Frankie? Well, I didn't have to They got his picture, fingerprints, and baby shoes (laughs) Baby shoes? Didn't Remley have them bronze? Yes, and he used them for brass knuckles No kidding but Jack, this could be serious You're right, maybe Frankie has amnesia He's forgotten who he is Well, I'm not worried about that You see, he carries an identification tag With his name, address, and also his blood type Oh, I didn't... What, what is Frankie's blood type? Old Crow
13: <laughs> Well, that I should have known <laughs> Now, look, Bob Don't worry about Frankie He'll turn up. Unfortunately, he always does. Well, I hope so. So long, Jack. Goodbye, Bob. Oh, wait a minute. Yes, Jack? Bob, I almost forgot. I want to invite you over to my house for Thanksgiving dinner. Oh, gee, thanks. My wife will be so happy. Oh. Oh, your wife. (laughs) Oh, yes, yes. She's invited, too.
2: And, Jack, you know, it's traditional for parents to take their children with them for Thanksgiving dinner. Oh. Oh, the children. Uh Uh-huh. Mm-hmm.
13: You have 5 Oh Yes, five. Well, save your car. It's not far to thrifties.
5: <laughs> Goodbye,
13: Bob.
1: Jack, I hope I'm invited over for Thanksgiving dinner, too. Well, of course you are, Don. Good, good. There's nothing I love better than turkey.
14: I'm going to have chow mein on Thanksgiving. Chow mein? Sure, by then I'll be in Hong Kong.
12: Dennis, <laughs> will you please be quiet?
1: Now, who can that be? Oh, it's probably the sportsman quartet, Jack. I told them to meet me here. Oh.
12: Come in.
13: Well, hello, fellas. Hmm. When are they going to learn to talk? (laughs) Now, why are the boys... Why are the boys carrying those pistols? Show him, fellas.
1: Now, what's that? It's a wonderful sound effect we're going to use in the commercial we're going to do on the show. What is it? Ricochet romance. Well, I gotta run along. Can I drop you anyplace, Dennis?
14: Not unless you're passing Funafuti.
8: See, <laughs> <Passing> where?
5: <laughs>
12: Dennis, go with her, will you? Go, go, go. Mr. Billy!
5: What?
12: You better get going to the studio or you'll be late for your television show.
13: Oh, yes, I better hurry. Well, I'll see you later.
12: Okay. So long, boss.
13: Goodbye. You know, Rochester, I'm kind of nervous. I hope I have a funny television show today.
12: Oh, you don't have to worry about that, boss. The minute you come on the stage, the audience will start laughing and screaming. You can't miss.
13: What makes you so sure?
12: You forgot to put on your pants.
13: (laughs) I'll be darned. I almost did TV in my (laughs) BVD. Rochester, get me my trousers. I have to hurry to the studio.
12: Yes, sir.
13: Gee, these new cars are sensational. Power steering, windows go up when you press a button, a classy horn. Gee, I'm sure glad I waited for a 1954 Cadillac. Yes, sir. Aren't very many of these on the road yet. Well, here's Television City. Thanks for the lift, mister. (laughs) Well, I better go in. Good afternoon, Mr. Benny. Well, Mac, what are you doing here? You used to be the doorman over at the radio studio.
14: Yeah, but they transferred me here to Television City.
13: Oh, yeah. Say, Mac, is the makeup man in?
14: Yes, sir. And your guest star, Johnny Ray, is here, too. Good, good. See you later. Oh, uh, say, Mr. Benny. Yes, Mac? Uh, Mr. Benny, how long ago was it that you held the I Can't Stand Jack Benny contest? Well, uh, we finished that eight years ago. Well, you ought to make an announcement on your program. We keep getting about 500 letters a week.
13: (laughs) (laughs) Well, at least they're listeners. They couldn't hate me if they weren't. See you later. (laughs) Dum-dum-dum-dum, (laughs) ricochet romance. dum 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 Gee, Television City is certainly beautiful. It's got the latest style architecture. The architects put in all the latest improvements. Electric eyes, sliding walls, thermostatic air conditioning, indirect lighting, complete soundproofing. Luckily, there's a gas station on the corner. They forgot the washroom. <laughs> I wonder where my director is. Oh, stagehand.
6: Yes, Mr. Benny?
13: Have you seen Mr. Ralph Levy, my director? Uh, yeah, there he is with the camera crow. Oh, yes. Oh, Mr. Levy. Mr. Levy. Here I am, Jack. <clears throat> <clears throat> Mr. Levy, I understand you have some things you want to discuss with me before I go on. Oh, uh, yes, Jack. It's just a minor thing. But whenever you start a television show and you're out on the stage by yourself... I notice you always keep putting your hands in your hip pocket. This can be very distracting. Well, I'm sorry, Ralph. It's a habit. Jack, you're out there alone. Your money's safe. <laughs> okay, I'll watch it. Now, Ralph, there are a couple of things I'd like to talk to you about. What's that? Well, some people told me that when they saw me on television during my last show that I looked kind of old, and they even detected a few wrinkles in my face. Now, why is that? Well, it's very simple, Jack. You see, you know you're 39, and I know you're 39. It's just the camera that's so stupid. (laughs) Hmm.
12: Excuse me, you say, Mr. Levy, should I get the scenery set?
5: Yeah,
13: John. Harry, move those lights a little closer. Dick, Dick Fisher, tell the cameraman to stand by. Oh, say, Ralph, uh, wait a minute. We're not doing a murder mystery on the show tonight, are we? Of course not. Then why is that body lying there? Well, I don't know. It's been there since we did our last TV show. Oh, Excuse me. Hello? Hello, Bob. I found him.
12: (laughs) Well, Mr. Levy, it's time for dress rehearsal.
13: Okay, Joe. Everybody stand by. Ready, Jack? Yes. Oh, by the way, Jack, I almost forgot. What? Before you came here, I timed the show again, and we were three minutes too long, so I cut out the scene where you play the violin solo. Now, wait a minute, Ralph. You can't cut that scene. I had to. I told you. We were three minutes long. Well, we'll cut something else. You're not taking out my violin solo. Jack, I'm the director, and I think it's best for the show. The violin is out, and that's final. Well, it's not final. I'm going over your head to the producer. I'm the producer, too. (laughs) (laughs)
5: Oh,
13: yes, I forgot. The producer and the director. Whose idea was it you should hold down two jobs? Yours. You wanted to save the money. (laughs) Well, I don't care if you are the producer and the director. I'm the star, and I say my violin solo stays in. And I say it comes out. I say it stays in. Ralph. Ralph, that big light felt from way up there on that platform almost hit me. How could an accident like that happen?
0: That was no accident. It's
13: amazing what you can do when you're the producer and director. (laughs) We're going to do it my way. All right, we'll do it your way. That's better. Well, I'll go to my dressing room and change.
6: Hey, Mr. Levy. What is it, Joe? You were right. He's chicken. Everybody stand by for dress rehearsal.
3: Stand by, everybody.
13: I will be back in a minute to tell you about my show, which goes on immediately after this program on the CBS television network with my guest star, Johnny Ray. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, as I mentioned before, tonight I'm doing my TV show on the CBS network, and my guest star will be Johnny Ray. And we're going to... Excuse me. Hello? Oh, Johnny. Are you a television city? You aren't. Well, where are you? On the corner of... What are you doing there? Oh, you're waiting for a 1954 Cadillac, too. (laughs) Well, get here as soon as you can. Goodbye, Johnny. Good night, folks. See you in 30 seconds.
1: The show tonight was written by Milt Josephsberg, John Cackerberry, Hal Goldman, Al Gordon, and produced and transcribed by Hilliard Marks.
3: The Jack Benny program right there, Lisa. I hope you enjoyed that. A lot of fun, Jack and all the gang. Um, You know, on that particular episode, there would have been like a singing commercial for Lucky Strike, and then you would have heard Lucky Strike commercials. Unfortunately, when we broadcast shows that are sponsored by cigarette companies, you know, sometimes like with Dragnet, they were sponsored by Fatima Cigarettes. We have to remove those. With the Jack Benny program, we had to remove all that. And then oftentimes on Jack Benny, they would have a sportsman quartet, and they would be singing a singing, like, commercial for Lucky Strike. That had to go. But if you're a member of the Classic Radio Club, that is never removed. You get the original shows from beginning to end, nothing ever edited out, and... Um, the quality that you just heard. So do check out the Classic Radio Club at ClassicRadioClub.com.